thankful that I can worship Him today, that I can give Him praise today. I don't want ever a moment to pass me by where I don't remember that He's my Redeemer, He's my Savior, that He's good, and He's good. And we heard this morning, it doesn't matter my circumstances. If He's good then, He's good now. It's who He is. And so I'm not going to doubt Him now. I'm not going to doubt Him in the middle of my questions, in the middle of my circumstance, in the middle of my trouble now. I'm going to still proclaim, He's good. He's good. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus feels good in the house of the Lord today. I'm glad when we show up. We say the other way around, but he's always here. I'm glad when we show up too. Makes it a whole lot better. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I believe the Lord wants to speak to somebody today. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. And at the base of what God wants to do today, rest those things, that He's good. And it's been emphasized all day. At the bottom of everything that's about to be said is the fact that He is good. His mercy endures forever. And I'm going to say so. I'm going to proclaim that. Redemption from my circumstance, redemption of sin in my life. I'm going to say so in my life. Well, I've, been ha- I've gone halfway through my notes and haven't even started my timer yet, so that's good or bad. But I want to take a passage from Psalm 107 today, and I'm not going to read it right now, but I do th- believe that God wants to speak to us today. And I simply want to entitle this today, God's Not Deaf. God's not deaf, not dead. He's not dead either, but he's not deaf. I wonder if we could pray this morning that the Lord would speak to us in a special way today. Lord Jesus, we come before you so thankful for your presence that we know is in this place, for your spirit that we feel in this moment, Lord. And God, I ask you that you would anoint my lips, anoint every ear in this place to hear what you have to say to us today, God. Lord, I believe you and trust you that you are here to do a work, and I believe that your word will not return void. Lord, touch us, change us, transform us today, God, by your power. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord. You may be seated this morning. God's not not deaf. We have three psalms found, Psalms 104, 105, and Psalms 107 that Uh, People feel are written by the same author. We're not quite sure who they're written by, but we believe they're written by the same author. And in those three psalms, we find kind of a synopsis of of a history of Israel. That's why they seem to all flow together. Uh, They threw Psalm 106 in there, I guess. But these three seem to fit together in how the writer is describing what takes place. In Psalms 104... It's about creation and the wonders of creation and thanking God for His greatness and goodness through the power 
of creation. In Psalms 105, it speaks to the history of Israel, how the Lord has been with Israel through every situation, how he's been with them in the wilderness, how he's been with them uh, when, through the ups and downs, through, through sin and through prosperity. God has been with them. And then we find Psalms 107 speaks to a restoration of Israel from the time of exile in Babylon. And it looks back over that time, it provides thanksgiving, uh, a reminder of the goodness of God, and it gives some warnings to the people as they return from exile. And in fact, the book of Psalms is broken into five books by scholars. I don't know if that means anything, but they break it down according to theme and how it kind of flows. And Psalms 107 starts is the first chapter of book five of Psalms, and it seems to be kind of a hinge point as things progress. And it begins with the words that we've already read. Uh, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And again, I'm thankful for His redemption. The psalm, though, goes on. And, and, and as I begin to read this psalm, I, I thought, you know what? This would be one of those ones where you could just read the psalm and then say in closing... Uh, because it preaches for itself, but I'm not going to do that, right? You know better than that. But there's four kinds of people that the psalmist thing goes on to talk to. He says, give thanks to God, let the redeemed, let those that have a testimony say so. And he says, I want to show you four people that exist, and I want to show you the testimony that they can have in their life. Many people feel that this speaks to the four conditions of Israel throughout their history, that this is the four uh, time periods that they have. But I believe that it has relevance for you and I today as we look at them. And we find the first is mentioned in Psalms 107 verses 4 and 5. It says, They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. And today, the first person that the psalmist writes to, that he wants to remind them of where the Lord brought them from and where God can take you if you find yourself in this position. He speaks to the wanderer, to the wanderer. He calls them those that wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. And of course, this is very easy to, to parallel this with Israel's history as we began to think of the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. But this speaks to people that are wandering, that have seemed to have no purpose. It seemed to just be going from one thing to another. And it makes some very specific statements that they have no city to dwell in. They have no place to go. They have no place that they can call home. They're hungry. Hungry and they're thirsty. Their soul faints within them. That phrase, soul fainted, it means literally that their soul is languishing, that there's something going on inside of them that isn't quite right. And in fact, we find the children of Israel in this position. We find that they are not in Egypt anymore, yet they are not in the promised land. They have left sin to some degree. They have left behind the pleasures of Egypt, the leeks and the cucumbers and all those things that they crave after that I'm not sure why they crave after those unless there was a bunch of pregnant people there. Who craves after leeks and cucumbers? I, I enjoy them, but I don't crave them. Have you ever ate a leek before? A leek? It's like a really big spring onion. Oh, well, we eat them in Scotland. Oh, well, I don't know. They eat ramps in West Virginia. 
But he says their soul faints within them. They're hungry and they're thirsty because they have no place to call home. They have no place to go. They're caught between the world and the promised land. They're caught in a place where they realize that sin is not where they need to be. They realize that the pleasures of sin are only for a season. They realize that a calling out must take place and they have uh, taken the first steps out of Egypt. But they find themselves wandering in a wilderness. They find themselves hungry, thirsty, languishing, as if you will. And and there's people that sit here today, and I would venture to say there's people that could fall into the classification of the wanderer. You realize that God is the answer. You realize that Jesus is the answer that you need. And in fact, you may have taken steps towards that direction. In fact, you may have served God for a while. They wandered for 40 years. It's possible to be a wanderer for a long time. And yet there's something within you that cries out and says there must be something more there must be some place for me to dwell there must be some place for me to call my home let me say first of all physically if you have not found a place to call home this church can be your home it's a good place to call home it's a good place to say I'm gonna dwell there But it's also possible to come to a church every Sunday. It's possible to sit in service after service. And yet you leave feeling like your soul is languishing somewhere. You feel like you have not been touched deep down inside. And there's a variety of things that could lead to this. But you feel like there's no real habitation for your soul. Well, let me remind you that God can redeem the wanderer today. He can find a place for you to dwell. It says in Verse 7, and he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. I believe that the Lord can show you the way that you need to go today. I believe that the Lord can give you a dwelling place today, a place that you may call your own. Isaiah chapter 35 and verse 8, we find a way that is mentioned. And in fact, it is called the highway of holiness that is mentioned there. I believe that this is not just some way, but I believe that it is the way to find for the wanderer. And I'm not just talking about external holiness, that you look right and that you dress the part. No, I believe there's a separation. I believe there's a consecration that comes with finding a habitation. How many of you ever been to somebody's house and, and, and they've said, just make yourself at home? And you knew they were lying. I mean, really, are you really going to make yourself at home? You're, well, I've had some, well, anyway, never mind. <laughs> just come right and they go right to the fridge and take the juice out and start drinking from the, from the bottle there. That, that, that was just Todd, no. I won't tell you which one. You got to pick a name where there's more than one of them, so people wonder. No, that didn't happen at all. But he says he led them forth by the right way. I believe that holiness is the right way. And you see, this was an issue with the Israelites. You see, because as you read uh, what took place, I've already mentioned it before, they were in the wilderness, they were out of Egypt, but Egypt was not out of them. There was desires that were still present in their heart. They still looked back every so often and longed for things that they had left behind. And it may not be sin in your life that you look back and wish I just could sin that way again. No, but it may be things that God has called us from that we continually look back towards. Perhaps it's safety, perhaps 
perhaps it's financial security. Perhaps it's the we've launched out as Abraham did, not knowing where the Lord may lead. And yet we look back wondering and wishing perhaps I could just have a taste of that again. No, holiness is a call to separation. Holiness is a call to consecration. Holiness is a separation to God. I think if I want to find a habitation, I need to quit looking over my shoulder to what used to be. I need to quit looking over to the things that I might have had before and look towards what God has in store for me. Because what he has in store for me is a habitation and a dwelling place. He has a place that I can call my home. We understand that that speaks to something more eternal that we heard about today already. We know that this earth is not our home. That this is not where we are going to end up finally. But there's a dwelling place that we will be in forever. Where we will know Him as He is. That we will be gathered together for all eternity. And I look forward to that place that's a dwelling place of eternity. However, that word habitation also means that there's a place for me to sit. There's a place at the table for me. And there's people in this place that you would not maybe classify yourself as a wanderer until you hear that phrase, a place for me to sit, a place at the table for me. And that's tough sometimes. Where do I fit? What am I supposed to do? God, why are you calling me to do this or that? God, I don't even know if you're calling me. I'm just here. I just feel like I'm wandering. You see, the children of Israel wandered in a circle for many years. And there's people, I'm sure, in this place that feel like, yes, you follow the Lord. And yes, you believe that that was the Lord leading and guiding you. And yet you seem to be passing the same tree again and again and again. And he says, I will give you a habitation, a place to sit. You see, the danger becomes as we begin to look to the church for a place to sit. However, the table is not the church's, it's the Lord's. Scripture tells us that He has gathered us together and He is building something with us. That we are all lively stones. That He is forming us and fitting us and shaping us together. And I believe that God can give the wanderer a place to sit today. I believe that God can speak to the languishing soul today and say, No, you're not just wandering aimlessly. But I have a habitation and I have a place for you in my kingdom. I believe God is calling to the wanderer. And I'm going to try and not take too long today. We read the next person that the psalmist writes to. He says, I want to speak to the wanderer who's been redeemed and reminds you. And then he says, I want to speak to the bound. Verses 10 and 11 says, Those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, bound in affliction and irons, because they rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. We find here a very sobering passage that there are people that are bound. That there are people who live for the Lord, if you want to put that in air quotes, and yet are still bound. They sit in darkness. They sit in the shadow of death. They are in irons. They are imprisoned. And it gives us in this instance a very specific reason why those people sit bound. Because they rebelled against the words of God. They despised the counsel of the Most High. It wasn't because of some heinous crime. It wasn't because of something that wasn't their own fault. It was simply because they rebelled against the Word of God. They rebelled against the counsel of the Most High. And then it says in verse 12, Therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. 
In fact, it says that God, because of their rebellion, he sends labor their way. That just means he sent toil their way. He sent a weariness their way. He sent worry and vexation their way. And I'm here to speak to somebody today that perhaps you find yourself in that circumstance of laboring away. You find yourself toiling with no effect. You find yourself becoming weary despite what you're doing. Is it possible that somewhere in the past, perhaps even the distant past, we can find the beginnings of that labor? We can find the beginnings of that toil. And it all begins with words that were not heeded. It all begins with counsel that was never taken (laughs) you see that's a dangerous place to be you see we think of all these things that can bind us we think and scripture talks about other things we think of addictions and depression and all these things that keep us bound and yet we find simply in one word the reason why these people are bound and that word one word is simply disobedience that a word was preached and they shoveled it back for the person behind the counsel was sought and godly wisdom was given and yet it was scorned and they decided to go their own way and now their life is filled with labor and toil and wearisome uh, travail and just full of worry and distress. But let me remind the weary person. Let me remind the person that is bound today because of your disobedience. The Lord still redeems. The Lord still redeems. It says in verse 14, he brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and he broke their chains in pieces. I believe that God can set the captive free today. I believe that God can take the person who's bound today and he can set you free. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 16, it says those that once sat in darkness, but now they have seen a great light. I believe that light is here today and you may be sitting in darkness and it may be because it's your own fault. It may be because of counsel that you've refused and words that you have not acknowledged. But I believe that the light is still here to shine into your life today. I believe that he can still break the chains that are binding you today. Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 1, a familiar passage that the prophet says, speaking of the Lord to us, that he has been, he is here to preach and to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison doors to those that are bound. I believe that Jesus Christ is here to do that in somebody's life today. There may be disobedience in your past. There may be words that you have despised, counsel that you have despised in your past. But I believe that God can still work in your life today. He can still reach down and touch you today I believe that someone can stand today at the end of this service and say you know what I am part of the redeemed and I'm gonna say so today I entered this service bound I entered this service wandering and yet the Lord in his goodness and mercy reached down and set me free today I'm thankful that the Lord still works in my life He speaks to the wanderer, the languishing soul, the hungry and the thirsty. He speaks to the bound, those that have rebelled and despised the word and counsel of God. And he sets them free. Then in verse 17, he speaks to the afflicted. He says in verse 17, fools because of their transgression and because of their iniquities were afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of food and they drew near to the gates of death. 
This speaks to those that are afflicted, and they are afflicted because of sin. They're afflicted because of sin. In this, there's debate about whether what, what this exactly means. Does this mean that there was people that were physically sick because of their sin? Does it mean that their spirit was afflicted because of sin? I'm not sure, but I know that sin does begin to take a physical toll upon a person. And in fact, we can read and we can find a, a sort of comparison passage as Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church about why some of them are sick. And it's because they partook of the Lord's Supper unworthily and it physically affected their health. I believe that sin, while we, I, I, I know it's an affliction of the heart, I know that it does something within us, and I know that it takes something spiritual, not physical, to conquer that. I do believe that sin can afflict our bodies. I believe that sin can begin to do something within us. But either way, he's speaking to the afflicted, and he says, because of your iniquities, you are afflicted in your life. And he makes this statement, your soul abhorred all manner of food. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know if you've got likes and dislikes, if there's certain foods you do or don't like. But this begins to speak of their appetite, that their appetite has been lost. And in fact, even more to that, it actually begins to say that word abhorred, that, that this person can no longer begin to discern. It means their taste buds have been distorted. They can no longer discern between what is right and wrong. They can come to a service. They can feel the presence and the power of God, and they can't discern what's going Going on their taste buds are messed up they can hear the words taste and see that the Lord is good and yet they are they, they don't understand what's being said because they are afflicted because of their iniquities and it says they are so afflicted their taste buds are so messed up that the things that they begin to ingest actually cause them to draw near to the gates of death and I would challenge any person that sits here today and sin has begun to afflict your soul I don't care how big or how small it is I don't care if you think you feel something today or you're sitting here stone cold and don't feel anything today let me warn you right now that your sin will cause your heart to harden it will affect your taste it will affect your discernment and before long you won't be able to discern between what is good and what is evil and you'll begin ingesting things in your life you'll be Begin eating things and before you know it you'll draw near to the gates of death itself a sobering message but that's not the point of the message the point of the message is we'll give thanks to the Lord for he is good <laughs> because in verse 20 it says there's a remedy for the afflicted it said that he sent his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destructions he sent the word to them and it healed them in their life aren't you thankful for the Word of God aren't you thankful for the power of the Word of God I was sitting there in the prayer room earlier and, and brother Herb was telling me how old he was and, and 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 all that stuff and we were comparing how old we were and then I began to sit there and pray and all of a sudden it just came to me as I realized I was thinking about this verse and what his word means just kind of just not really on purpose, it was just playing through my mind because I remembered I had to preach today. And I just picked up the word in my hands. And I suddenly realized this physical book right here, this book right here, is almost 20 years old. Nothing else in this place, including my wife, has known me longer than this book right here. 
And I began to reminisce and I, th I thought back over 20 years what this book has seen me through. Man, it's, it's seen me through some ups and some downs. It's seen me through some struggles with callings and relationships and people. It's, it's seen me on the mountaintop. It's seen me in the low points when it was all I could do to open its pages and just... I was almost to the point of close your eyes and point, Lord, I need something. And you know what? It still spoke to me. Its word was precious. Those moments when I needed something. Let me speak to somebody today. And I didn't even know what I needed. And I opened the word and it healed me. I'm thankful for the Word of God today. I'm thankful that I can open its pages and it can begin to speak to me. I'm thankful that in times of doubt, I'm thankful that in times of faith, I'm thankful that in times of strength and in weakness, the highs and the lows, the Word of God knows how to speak to me. It knows how to encourage me. It knows how to give me faith when I don't have any faith. It's the Word of God that He sent into my life. And it's the Word of God that can heal me in my life. I'm thankful for the Word of God today. And you and I know that it's more than just a book. You and I know that it's more than just words on a page. You and I know that it's just a tattered thing that may just sit on our shelf. But he's speaking of sin. And you and I know, I hope you've experienced it. If you haven't experienced it, you can experience today. Because John chapter 1 tells me that this word was not just relegated to pages printed on a book. But one day that word became flesh and it dwelt among us. I realized the word that he sent. The psalmist didn't quite realize what he was saying. But I realize now the word that he sent was Jesus Christ to heal me. And Jesus is here to heal you today. He's here to reach into your heart, into a heart that's afflicted by sin and bring healing like no other can. Oh, come on. Aren't you thankful that he can reach into your sinful heart? Come on. I remember the day that he walked into my life and that the word in flesh healed my heart. <laughs> he delivered me from my destructions. I'm thankful for the Word of God that heals. And I'm here to challenge somebody today. You may think, well, it's just a book. No, there's something here more than just a book. Jesus Christ is in this place today. And if your soul is sick because of sin, Jesus Christ is the answer for your healing. If you're here today and you may be walking with the Lord, but sin has begun to creep back into your life, the Word is here in flesh to heal you today. He's here to answer your prayer of repentance. He's here to to deliver you from the destruction in your life. I would challenge you today to leave if your heart is afflicted by sin as one of the redeemed that can say so today that I was sick and he healed me. That sin was in my life and yet his word came into my heart and healed me today. God's not deaf. He speaks to the wandering, the purposeless he speaks to the bound. He breaks the chains and the bars for those that are bound. He speaks to the afflicted. He sent his word to heal. And then we find in verse 23, the last kind of people. It says, those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. 
seems like a different group to me. We've had the bound, the wandering, the hungry, the thirsty, the afflicted, those in darkness, and now we have fishermen. Seems a little strange. I would entitle this group simply as the faithful. The faithful. Those that go down to the sea in ships, it's their job. They go down every day to the sea in ships. It's what they do. And in fact, it, it, those who do business on great waters, that's, that's just their job. They wake up, they go to work. They wake up and today's another day I'm going to serve the Lord. However I can serve Him. I'm going to be faithful in serving the Lord. In fact, this is kind of an odd little statement here because never have the Israelites or the Jews been known as seafaring people. We know there were their fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. We know that fishing was involved, but never have they been called a seafaring people. And he speaks to a very specific group here. He says, they see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. In fact, I would go a little bit beyond just the faithful. Is that these are intrepid souls. You see, most people feel this is not talking about the Sea of Galilee, but even the Mediterranean Sea, and this is not a seafaring people. This isn't everybody. This isn't the whole world. These are a few people who are faithful and willing to wander into the deep. And I speak to many of those people here today. People that are faithful. People that, that wake up and you know what? It doesn't matter what the day has held before or even what the days are going to hold in the future. You know you're going to be faithful. And in fact, you step out into the deep very often and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you though I can't see what's going on. And because of that, you've been rewarded because you've seen His wonders in the deep. You've seen a part of God that not everybody gets to see. You've seen His wonders. And then I read this next part. It says, For He commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man. And they are at their wit's end. And that bothered me. In my flesh, that bothered me. Because here are people that I would call faithful. People that are willing to launch out. People who are willing to, to go to great lengths to see His wonders in the deep. And they're out on the deep doing what only a few people will do. Living for the Lord in tough circumstances. Living for the Lord despite their family maybe not living for the Lord. Continuing to follow after Him when people call them crazy and ignorant. And they're out there, ready to see what God is going to do. And what He does is God commands and raises the storm. You see, that doesn't seem fair to me. It doesn't seem fair that when I'm trying to do good, when I'm trying to do right, when I'm trying to be faithful, when I hear the sermon and I try and put it in my heart and say, how can I live that Monday? How can I live that Tuesday? And I, I, I wake up on Monday morning ready to do what God has spoke to me. And I get to work and all of a sudden, what greets me is a storm. And it's not just a storm, but it's a storm that God has sent my way. It doesn't seem fair. It says they, the waves mount up to the heavens. They go to the depths. In fact, it gets so bad that their soul isn't languishing. Their soul begins to melt because of the trouble that they're in. 
And I know there's people that sit here today and you know what it feels like to have a melting soul because you've seen the trouble that's coming. It's surrounded you on every side. And in fact, verse 27 sums it up exactly that you begin to reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man at your wit's end. And let me just say at this point, I want to thank you for every saint of God who's ever staggered into church on a Sunday or Wednesday. You're a witness. I've seen people and I think, how in the world have they staggered in here? But you did. Despite the storm, you staggered in here and said, I don't know what's going on. I'm not sure what's happening, but I'm going to be faithful to the house of God. I'm going to hear his word one more time because I know it's his word that heals me. I know he's still good in spite of everything. And he brings them to their wit's end. And I don't know why he does this. This confuses me. And I read these verses and I thought it's bad enough when life throws you storms. I I know the scripture says the rain falls on the just and the unjust and that's fine. But when I'm trying to do right and he, he purposely sends a storm my way. Reminds me of the disciples toiling. Jesus told him to go somewhere. And Jesus knew full well when he sent them that a storm was coming their way. And he didn't stop them. He didn't warn them. He didn't do anything. He told them, just go, knowing they would hit a storm. And I don't know about you, but I know there's been times in my life when that's happened to me. But something within me told me, you better keep reading that verse. Because they're at their wit's end. They're, they're staggering around like a drunken man. But don't forget the first two verses. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. There's something in here that I need. In verse 29 and 30, tell us. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. That's fine. That's not what I want to get to you this morning. It's verse 30. Then they were glad because they are quiet. And here it is. So he guides them to their desired haven. You see, I've been in storms in my life. Trying to do right. And I can't figure out what's going on. I know it's not temptation or sin. It's got to be God that's sending it my way. God, why are you doing this to me? And somehow through the drunken staggering and reeling, I make it through. And there's calm and there's peace. And I haven't done it up until that moment because I've been so concerned with the situation. I haven't even taken the time to look around. But suddenly in the calm, suddenly in the peace, in the quiet, I'm glad because the storm's over. Suddenly I stop and look around. One translation says, they looked around and they saw they were at the place they desired. I look around and realize, wait, the storm brought me to where I said I always wanted to be. I didn't like the storm. 
I didn't like any of that. But suddenly once the storm's over and I look around that place that I wanted to go in God, suddenly I realize, hey, I'm there. Maybe it was a trial of my faith. And I look around and, hey, my family's closer to God. I didn't realize in the middle of all this. But God's just not putting me through a storm for no reason. No, God's taking me to where I want to be in Him. And so that's why I can say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That's why I can say he's still good because the whole time he was taking me to where I always wanted to be. Oh, come on. Let's give him praise right now. Come on. Let's give him praise right now. As the musicians come. To the wandering, to the purposeless, he makes a way. He'll give you a habitation. He'll give you a seat at the table. I'm here to tell you today, quit wandering. To the bound, you've been bound by your disobedience. He he can still break the chains. To the afflicted, he's going to send his word to you. But there's something that this all pivots on. It pivots on something. In verse 6 of that chapter, in verse 13 of that chapter, in verse 19 of that chapter, and in verse 28 of that chapter, the same thing happens. And let me just say those first three situations, it's people's fault. Why are they wandering? They, they could have gone to the promised land within a couple weeks. Instead, it took 40 years. They're bound. Why are they bound? Because of their disobedience. They're afflicted. Why are they afflicted? Because they've allowed sin to stay in their heart. We have the faithful who through no fault of their own, from simply being faithful, they find a storm. But in every one of those, it doesn't matter why you're in the circumstance. There's one response every time. In verse 6, I'll just read verse 6 because they all say the same. For the wanderer, the bound, the afflicted, and the faithful. This is the reason why they can say he's good. Why his mercy endures forever. Why the redeemed of the Lord say so. This is it right here. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them out of their trespasses. I'm here to simply remind someone today that God's not deaf. I know there's a lot of places in Scripture where it says he doesn't hear this prayer, he doesn't hear that prayer. What this is referring to when it says that they cried out, it means they'd reached the end of their rope. They realized they had no other place to go. This was not, well, Lord, just help me today. No, this speaks of a cry of anguish. If you think about Hannah praying for a child and and the, the priest thought she was drunk, it's a cry of anguish. It's a cry of desperation. God, I'm tired of wondering. I'm tired of going in the same circle again and again. Help me, God. It's the cry of the bound who say, you know what? I've messed up, God. I should have listened all those years ago. I should have listened to the advice given to me. But, Lord, I'm crying out to you now. I need you in my prison now. It's to those that are afflicted by sin. And they realize that it's not just I need to quit doing a few things. No, I need the healing power of the word of God. And they say, Lord, I need you today. I can't do this on my own. I must have you. 
And it's to the sailor out on the sea who's faithful. He's just doing what he's supposed to do. And all of a sudden there's a storm. And he's trying to do right. He's going to prayer meeting. And he's trying to help out in Sunday school. And he's coming to church. And he's being faithful. And yet he just staggers more and more. Till finally, I don't know what to do. It doesn't seem like anything's working. And yet all of a sudden he cries out to God. And says, Lord, I don't know what to do. He cries out in anguish. And you know what he does? He hears. He hears. You see, in all those situations, what's the thing? It feels like nobody hears me. Nobody knows. Nobody sees. But I want to remind you this morning that God's not deaf. He hears the cry of the one in trouble. And you know what he'll do? He'll deliver you. He'll deliver you out of your distress. That means the person who was wandering, leave saying, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That means the person who was bound that's in chains, leave saying, the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. That means the person that's been afflicted by sin, suddenly realizes what redemption really means. It's not some temporary thing, but it affects my eternity and says the Lord is good. And to the faithful who are struggling and battling through the storm, they realize He hasn't left me. He hasn't forsaken me. He's still good and He's still faithful in my life. His goodness is at the basis of all of this. you got to start with that this morning. If you're afflicted, if you're bound, if you're wandering, if you're in the storm, you got to start out by just simply lifting your hands and saying, Lord, you're good. I know you're good. But Lord, in my situation right now, Lord, I cry out to you. I know you're faithful and true to respond. As we stand this morning... 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 4 through 7. David is speaking. He says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. When the waves of death surrounded me, the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. It was in my distress, in my trouble, that I called upon the Lord. I cried out to my God, and He did something. He heard my voice from His temple, and my cry entered His ears. ears. God will hear you today if you call upon Him. It doesn't matter your circumstance. It doesn't matter your situation. If you cry upon Him, He'll give you a seat at the table. He'll set you free from the prison doors. He'll send His Word to heal you. He'll bring a peace and a calm into your life, and you'll realize you're where. You said you wanted to be Isaiah 59 and 1 behold the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save nor is ear heavy that it cannot hear I know sometimes it feels like God's got a hearing aid and he's got it turned off you know he can still hear he's just got it turned off because that's what your life feels like 
But I'm here to challenge you one more time today. Make today be the day of redemption in your circumstance. Make today be the day that you can leave with your hands lifted up saying, The Lord is good and His mercy endureth forever. I want us to pray right now in this moment. Lord Jesus, we come before you right now. Lord, I'm thankful for your word that you have given us, God. And I pray right now that you would reach down and speak to a heart, Lord. Lord, that you would simply remind someone that a cry to you is all that's needed. And Lord, you can deliver. Lord, you can give a habitation to the wandering. You can release those that are bound. Your word can heal the afflicted. And Lord, you can bring a peace and a calm to the storm. I know some sermons have a narrow scope. This one has more of a broad scope. Covered a lot of people. And I don't want, because one's in any order, to think there's any importance to it. It's simply how the Word presents it. But if you find yourself in any of these circumstances, I would challenge you to make your way forward at this time. And first of all, simply to lift your hands and say, Lord, you're good. I'm starting with that premise. I'm starting with that right there. Lord, you are good whatever it is you're going through. And then I just want you to cry on the Lord. That's what he he said to do. Cry on him and see if he'll hear you today. Maybe Maybe you say, I've cried to the Lord plenty. I believe there's sacred moments. I would just ask you, cry one more time. Do it one more time. We're gonna open this altar. They're gonna sing and I pray that you would respond to the word of the Lord today, that you would come, that you would lift your hands, that you would declare him good, that you would cry to him this morning and let him answer your prayer as you make your way to the altar. Lord Jesus, we come before you, God.